Where do we go from here? That's a question that many of us have been asking in this season of life, and it's a question that we've been exploring together on Sunday mornings. And each week, we've been looking at a different direction. I believe God is calling us to move in, in this season ahead. And so the first week, we, we looked at how God is calling us to move upward, how we're called to pursue intimacy with God because we were created for a relationship with God. Last week, we talked about the call to move inward towards one another because we were created for community and because God changes us in powerful ways in community as well. And this week, I want to talk with you about a third direction I believe God is calling us to move in. And that direction is outward. And as I've been reflecting on this direction that God's calling us to move in this week, I've been thinking about a trip that Emily and I had a chance to take a few years back, and that was a trip to the Holy Land. And there we got to see many historical things, many, many biblical sites. And I mean, it was an awesome just trip to take in everything. But one of the more fun things we did on the trip is to go and to visit the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. And if you're not familiar with the Dead Sea, it's, it's one of really the lowest places on earth below sea level. And the water is super, super salty. And there's a lot of uh, mineral-rich mud. And so people put on mud masks. And you can buy all the lotions and stuff in the gift shops around there. And one of the cool things you get to do there, because the salt content in the water is so high, is you can just literally sit down in the water and you will immediately kind of rise to the top. And so tons of tourists come there. And do that. And if you're not familiar with it, I mean, it's called the Dead Sea. And the reason it's called the Dead Sea is because animals and plants don't live in the water there like you see pretty much in every other body of water in the world. And the reason that it's the Dead Sea and things don't live there is because while the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea and rain and water runoff flows into the Dead Sea, Nothing ever moves outward from the Dead Sea. The water stays there, and so the salt content rises, and it gets a little stagnant. And instead of life, there's death. And instead of flourishing, there's really withering. And this morning, if, if I can make a bold statement to you, I believe that many Christians... And many churches today are withering instead of flourishing for the same exact reason. Because there is no outward movement in their lives. And this call to move outward, I'd venture to say that that it's probably the hardest direction for us to move in, particularly as Christians in America. And that's because we love comfort, we love convenience, and, and really when we think about moving outward, moving outward towards other people in our world requires risk, it requires vulnerability, it's really stepping out into the unknown and into uncharted territory. And so a lot of times we just think, you know what, I, I'd rather not do any of that. But here's the thing, if we as Christians, are going to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, which means we're going to follow in his footsteps, then we must move outward because we see over and over again in Jesus' ministry him not just staying put, 
but moving outward towards others in love. And each week we've been looking at a passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 6, getting glimpses of these different directions that Jesus moved in himself. And this morning I want to continue looking at that passage uh, beginning in verse 12, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And here we read this, we read this a couple weeks ago. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. We see Jesus moving upward. And then in verse 13, when the morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And so we see Jesus calling the disciples, this community that he built, where people's lives were changed. We see him moving inward in relationship to other people. But then, right after this, in verse 17, we, we see this outward movement of Jesus. We find that he went down with them, the disciples, and he stood on a level place. And a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. We see Jesus reaching out to other people with love and with grace. And, and in, Mark's, in Matthew's gospel, we see another image of Jesus moving outward, which, which I love. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And when you kind of move beyond these little clips we get here and you just read the Gospels and you read about Jesus' life, these themes that we're looking at, these are themes that come up over and over again, we constantly see Jesus moving outward and reaching out with love for other people. I mean, we don't find him just in like a holy huddle with his disciples like he's some guru and they're living in a commune somewhere. No, Jesus is constantly interacting with other people in the world. We don't find Jesus just praying and reading scripture all day, every day, like he's a monk in a monastery. No, instead, he is moving Outward, we find him driven by compassion for others, sharing the good news of God's kingdom with his words and with his actions to people who are desperately in need. People who are desperately in need of healing, of hope, people who are desperately in need of a savior. And so when we think about Jesus moving outward with his words, uh, I mean, one of the things we see is that with his words, he spoke hope. He spoke hope. He spoke life. He gave words of forgiveness and salvation to people, and not just the religious people, but also to the outcasts and to the marginalized. And he constantly got in trouble for interacting with all these different groups of people that people said, no, you shouldn't go. You shouldn't reach out to them. 
because their, their uh, lack of holiness is going affect, to affect you. But Jesus, he didn't care. He was willing to cross boundaries. He was willing to take risks. He was willing to go to them and say, look, I love you so much that God sent me into this world for the forgiveness of your sins. I want to set you free from everything holding you captive. He spoke words of life. And his words changed people's worlds. It gave them hope. It gave them a brighter future. It transformed their everyday lives and how they were seeing things. He comforted people. He, he did so much with his words, but not just with his words. Also, we see Jesus moving outward with his actions. Jesus, like we saw in these passages, he touched people like lepers. And with his touch, people who perhaps hadn't been touched in decades were made whole. He gave sight to the blind. He gave food to the hungry. We see that when he multiplied uh, the loaves and the fishes. Jesus did all sorts of miracles. He cast out impure spirits. And when he was doing this, what he was doing is he was giving people a glimpse of the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom that he wanted all people to be a part of. And as Jesus was reaching outward with hope and with love and compassion, what was also happening was that people in this world were getting a glimpse of God's heart for them. God, their creator's intentions for them. People began to see that God loved them and that God loved them so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live, die, and rise again for them. And that changed everything for them. And soon after Jesus' resurrection, as he rose again, he had some interesting final words for his disciples. In John chapter 20, we read this, that on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. He spoke words of peace over them. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. And then he said this, don't miss this. If you have a Bible, I want you to underline it. He said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He says to them, look, as the Father sent me in this world as the ultimate act of love, the ultimate act of compassion, as he sent me into your lives, now I'm sending you. I want you to go out and share the good news of what God has done for all people. Share the good news of the kingdom. Share the good news about me with your actions, and with your words as well. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And like I mentioned earlier, I, I think this is one of the biggest struggles for the church today. Because what happens is we, we get comfortable. We get comfortable, you know what, just watching worship online in our pajamas. It's going to be easy to get comfortable just coming to a building on Sunday morning and worshiping and gathering and fellowshipping as God's people 
once again. It's easy to just kind of get comfortable doing all these things that we're familiar with, but one of the things we can't forsake is moving out, being sent on mission, living on mission just like Jesus did when he came into this world. Because you see, for a long time, the way the church, not our church specifically, but just churches generally have operated, is that we've said, hey, look, we're going to come, we're going to gather, we're going to worship, we're going to have a potluck, and uh, we'd love for you to join us. Drive by, we have a great sign on the road, and uh, maybe you, you saw a flyer somewhere in the newspaper or something. Right? For a long time, we said, just come to us. But things have shifted in our culture. And it's more and more rare for people to just come to a church and for them to just come and find hope and healing on their own. And now with the coronavirus, I mean, here's the deal. When we regather again, it's not like all these floods of new people are just going to come in off the streets into a huge indoor space where we're worshiping together. People are probably going to be a little weary for a while. And so we have to continue to make a huge shift that that we desperately need in our culture today. And that shift is this. We have to shift from saying to other people, hey, come to us, and, and just sitting back and waiting on them. We have to shift from saying, come to us, and we have to instead go to them. We have to make this shift of coming to us and saying, you know what, hey, just come on, we got something good here. And we have to leave our comfort zone, move outward, and go to them and reach out with the good news of Jesus and the good news of God's kingdom. We have to move outward and love other people with our actions and with our words. And as a church, I mean, we we try to facilitate this and we try to help empower you and embolden you in these efforts. And so, I mean, we have a couple great events coming up where you can share the love of Jesus with people in very tangible ways. Like we mentioned earlier on on September 23rd, that Wednesday, we're we're getting a ton of pizzas and we're going to go to the local extended stay motel and we're going to go door to door And we're going to knock and we're going to offer people a free dinner. They don't have to cook. They don't have to think about it. We're going to give them a free pizza. These are a lot of people who are living at the edge of homelessness. A lot of them are food insecure. And so we're just going to them and saying, hey, look, you know what? God bless you. God doesn't desire anybody to be hungry. And so here is a sign of his kingdom. Here is some food and it's a continued step in our friendship, in our relationships that we're building with that community because God's kingdom is characterized by food, by feasting, and by friendship. And so that's a great thing that we have coming up that you're invited to. And then when we regather together again as a body on September 27th, we're going to be packing 10,000 meals in this room here. And we're going to be partnering with Rise Against Hunger to do that. And they're going to be sent, those meals are going to go out to people who are desperately in need of food here in the United States and abroad. And they're going to be a sign of love, a sign of love reminding them again, God doesn't desire anybody to be hungry. And Rise Against Hunger works to empower these communities and help bring them to wholeness. But even as we do those things, I want to remind you that, that as the church, you know what, we don't want you to just, just kind of sit back and wait until we say, hey, come here and we'll have a project for you. We want you to go through the world constantly thinking, how can I go to other people? How can I reach out and love to the people around me? Because every day God is sending people into your life 
who are in need. Who are in need of hope, who are in need of healing, people who are hungry every day. And so I want to encourage you, pray. Ask God to give you eyes to see, hands to serve so that you can share Jesus and his love with your actions. But we can't stop with our actions. We we have to move beyond actions and also speak love and speak about the kingdom of God with our words as well, just like Jesus did. And this is, this is, gets a little uncomfortable for us. Because when we think about spreading the good news of Jesus with our words, immediately we have in our minds witnessing to people who we don't know, right? Like, like strangers in an elevator or something. And we think, you know what, I, I don't know what to say. I don't have all the answers. What if they ask me a hard question? This is just kind of a little bit out there for me. But that's kind of what we imagine when, when we talk about sharing Jesus with our words. But instead, I want you to kind of take that image and set it aside. And I want you to think about something else for a second. I want you to think about this question. Who first told you about Jesus Christ? Who first told you about Jesus Christ? If you want to put it in the comments, put it in the chat. Love, love to hear from you. If they're on Facebook, tag them. That would be so encouraging. Who first told you about Jesus Christ? My guess is that it wasn't a random person on an elevator. It wasn't a stranger who just happened to knock on your door on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. My guess is that you're like the vast majority of Christians. It's estimated up to 95% of, of Christians, people who have faith in Jesus Christ, who've answered this way. They said, the person who introduced me to Jesus Christ was someone I already had an existing relationship with. A friend, a coworker, a mentor, a family member, a neighbor. You see, the vast majority of people come to know Jesus and receive his message through existing relationships. And so when we're talking about here about not just showing Jesus' love to all people, but, but sharing it with your words, I want you to think about the people God has strategically placed in your life that you are perfectly situated to witness to. If you think about it, there's probably about eight to 15 people you come into contact with on a regular basis. Friends, family member, coworkers, neighbors, people at the store who you just have naturally connected with. And these are great opportunities. Great opportunities to share Jesus. Because here, here's the thing, you already love them. You love them. You have compassion for these people. And, and so when you talk to them about Jesus, it's, it's more of a conversation. It's not a confrontation like it's somebody on the street. And you're doing life with them. And so this isn't some kind of transactional in nature relationship. No, you can listen to them. You know their hurts. You know their pains. You know their needs. And you know how Jesus connects with what they need in this world. And also when, when you think about somebody in your life and sharing Jesus with them with your words, you can simply tell them your story. And you can trust that for the long haul, the Holy Spirit is at work in your relationship. And so it takes the pressure off. You don't have to convert anybody. All you're called to do is to move outward and share Jesus with them with the way you live and with the conversations 
you have. And when we begin to do this as a people, when we begin to move outward and go to them and share and show the love of Jesus Christ, lives begin to be transformed. Lives begin to be transformed. And that's actually kind of what what we see happening in, in countries like China right now. China, if you're not familiar with some of its religious history, it was around 1949 when they were largely cut off from the rest of the Christian world, when, when things kind of shut down and got locked down in their government. And at that time, there was an estimated 500,000 Christians in the country. And, and since that time, uh, most churches were, were shuttered, were closed, There's not a lot of public seminaries like we have here raising up educated Christian leaders. They don't have huge megachurch Sunday gatherings like we do here in the United States. But even so, in the midst of the religious limitations that they currently have and have had for decades, something phenomenal has been happening. God has been at work in huge and powerful ways and so it's now estimated that there are 130 million believers in Jesus Christ in China. And it's predicted that in the next decade, the number of Christians in China will surpass the number of Christians in the United States. Now, different researchers have said, okay, well, why is this? Some have said, well, maybe it's, it's persecution is just breeding this growth. But other, other researchers say it's not the persecution that's leading to this growth. It's actually the paradigm shift that they have made in their churches. Because they've made a shift where they're really unable to say, hey, come to us in a huge gathering. They're not able to just sit back and wait on people to show up and come to them. Instead, they're going out. They're going out in their everyday lives and they're sharing and they're showing Jesus Christ to the people around them, to their friends, to their family members, to their co-workers, and they're showing the love of Jesus Christ in their communities. And God is at work. God is using their faithful witness in a huge and a powerful way. And so instead of death, there is life. Instead of withering, there is flourishing. And friends, this is God's desire for us as well. This is God's desire for for our local church, Harvest Point. This is God's desire for the United Methodist Church. This is God's desire for the global church that we would go out and we would share him with all people so that they might experience the transformation that we have through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And so if you would bow your head with me for a word of prayer and let's ask God to make it so today. Almighty God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you sent Jesus Christ into the world, but not just the world generally, but into our worlds specifically. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the transformation that Jesus has done in our lives. And God, send us. Send us outward with boldness, 
with courage, with love, with compassion to a world that is desperately in need. And God, help us be bold witnesses with our words and with our actions. Help us have a front row seat to the transforming work you're still doing today. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ's holy name.